Welcome into the Scout and the Sports Page. I'm the host, Paige Demacos, here with Gary Horton. We are looking into NFL Week 7, the keys to victory for our four big matchups coming up this weekend. But before we get into that, we didn't get to Monday's podcast, so we're going to go over a few things that happened over the weekend, and that the biggest story in all the NFL, and that is that Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the league, is not going to be playing with a broken collarbone, and Brett Hundley is now going to be the starting QB. So, Gary, I want to know on your end, what is this Green Bay Packers offense going to operate like without Aaron Rodgers? Because obviously it's going to be much different. Well, I'll tell you what, as I've studied him on page, I just don't know what they have to hang their hat on. A lot of times a quarterback goes down and you say, well, we'll go to our run game. We'll go to ball control. They don't have a run game. They have all sorts of injuries in the offensive line. They've got weapons outside. But you're starting a quarterback. Now, granted, he'll have a week of practice this week. That'll help. But he has zero experience. Uh, the word is, and, and what I've seen on film, pretty good athlete, decent West Coast passing skills, but it's a small sample size. He's a rhythm guy. If he gets into a rhythm, he can be okay. But where they're going to be in big trouble, he won't create big plays or, or extend the play like Aaron Rodgers did. He's not going to make anything on his own. Uh, we're not going to see side adjustment. You know, those are all things that Aaron's the best in the league at. You know, can he make the back shoulder throw? Probably not. Again, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, great. He has a tendency to lock on to one receiver, and that's going to allow defenses to really jump his routes. And this is an offense page. 70% of the time, they're dropping back and throwing the ball. And that makes him a sitting duck in the pocket with an offensive line that, is, as I said before, has a lot of injuries. I, you know, I love the Packers. I want them to be successful. I just don't know how this guy can have success. I think it's a long, long uphill battle to get back in this thing. Yeah, there's just no way to replace Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't matter who you have sitting there. It's just not going to be the same, and I think they're obviously, like you mentioned, their running game isn't strong enough to withstand not having Rodgers in the game and just what he does and the ability to put you back in a game. Brett Hundley just doesn't have that that moxie quite yet, and I don't know that he ever will because Aaron Rodgers is one yeah, of the and, best of all it, time. Is there any other team in the NFL that's more dependent on one guy no. than Green Bay is with Aaron Rodgers? Abs- absolutely not. There's no, there is no other team or organization that relies on somebody more than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, even, even the Patriots yeah. could move on without Tom Brady. They wouldn't want to. For sure. But they could figure out a way. They have enough other weapons. Especially when you think about teams in the past with the Patriots where it wasn't necessarily Tom Brady that was putting the team on his back. It was more so the defense in previous Super Bowls that were doing all the work and Tom Brady was doing enough, but it wasn't it wasn't because they didn't have elite defenses. Aaron Rodgers has never had an elite defense. He's never had really elite players outside of himself. So I think this organization is in for uh, a rude awakening without Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely agree with that. All right, the other thing we wanted to talk about quickly is the biggest upset of the weekend, and that is the New York Giants, who seem to... Not only going into this game, they Sterling Shepard didn't play, Brandon Marshall didn't play, Odell Beckham Jr. So you're thinking, okay, this offense is struggling already. How in the hell are they going to go into Denver and win a football game? I, I didn't even think twice about that game because I just thought there's just no way that that's going to happen. Not only did they go in there but and win the game, but they played pretty well throughout the game. So 
I know you and I talked about this before the podcast started, but what happened and what changed here that allowed the Giants to A, win a football game, and B, go into Denver and win a football game? Well, I think, Paige, a lot of it had to do with their game plan. Mike Sullivan took over the play calling, and it's a totally different game plan by necessity because of the injuries than we've seen all year. All of a sudden, they went to 12 personnel, which is two tight ends. Uh, They had 31 runs, 23 passes. Now, this is an offense that has been almost exclusively a three-wide receiver scheme on offense. Now, 70% of the snaps last week, two tight ends. They're now more of a power uh, offense, a 70-30 pass-run ratio in the pass. 31 ones, 23 passes last week. So I love the way that they've adjusted, uh, you know, their their philosophy and their offense. Again, necess- they have to do it because of their injuries. But I think this is what we're going to see on offense from the Giants in future weeks. And I think it's a tribute to this coaching staff to realize it and adjust, uh, again, what they can do on offense and what they can't do. Yeah, it was a huge surprise to see that team get a victory, but I I wondered how long they were just going to continue to do the same thing before they figured out that they needed to change things up. So obviously the change came. They get a big win. I don't think with Philadelphia playing as well as they can, I don't think there's any opportunity for the Giants to really turn this season around and get get themselves into the playoffs. But if they somehow turned out to be a, even 7-9 and nine at this point, the way they started up, people would probably be, be, oh, yeah. be pretty and, happy. And how many times do you and I talk about NFL pride? Yes, You can absolutely. never underestimate it. Mm-hmm. To yeah. go into Denver and play that hard and that inspired, it, it just tells you a lot about the quality of the the character of NFL players. Yeah, it just completely changes the, the mood in that locker room that they had been obviously having some struggles throughout the week and and keeps the New York media from going absolutely nuclear on Ben McAdoo and and company. But let's get into these matchups here. The first matchup we're going to talk about is the Washington Redskins at 3-2 visiting Philadelphia. Washington was not perfect in this Week 6 victory that they got against San Francisco, but San Francisco seems to be keeping almost every game close. They kept it close in Arizona. They kept it close on the road with the L.A. Rams. They're just able to keep these games very close. So at the end of the day, Washington gets the win and moves along. They're young quarterback, but on the flip side, Carson Wentz has been playing at a very high level. He took a step forward more so than I thought he was going to. I know you and I talked about this going into the season. How big of, of a step forward was he going to take? Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are 5-1, and one, and they don't look like they're stopping anytime soon. So when you look at this game, this divisional game, a good, a, a great game on Monday Night Football, what are your three keys to the game? Well, my first key, I wonder if the Washington offense will try to spread the Eagles out on defense. Now, they're getting a little bit better on the back end and pass defense, but the reality is, Paige, they're still ranked 30th versus the pass. They have injuries at corner. They don't get good corner play. They're a little better inside, and they're depending on their front four, and they have a deep front four. They could bring a nice rotation to give them pass rush pressure. If they can't do that, they may have to start blitzing and put those guys in man coverages. And I think Washington may go to a spread offense, three and four wide receivers, try to get them deeper into their sub packages than they want to go, and that gives Cousins good one-on-one matchups. My second key 
established the run and set up play action. And, and this goes for both of these teams. Both quarterbacks like to throw off a of play action, but you have to have the threat of the run to make that a reality. Uh, both are run games by committees right now, but they look uh, actually pretty good. And I think the key here, we see two defenses that are very aggressive. They fit the run. The linebackers bite on the run, and that really opens, opens up uh, play action. Washington has been much better versus play action in Philadelphia, but I think that will be a big part of this game. Uh, if they catch defenses loading up to stop the run, there's going to be room to throw over the middle. The third key, I think it's a great tight end game. How about Zach Ertz and Jordan Reed? Uh, does it get any better than this? I mean, they're the go-to guys. They're the safety blankets. Red zone, third down, middle of defense. And, again, both defenses – not great inside with their safety play, so that could open up some seed routes. Washington has really struggled versus good tight ends. Philadelphia a little bit better, but I think this is something to watch. Could these tight ends take over a game? Yeah, I love hearing you talk about Zach Ertz, my fantasy football tight end, who's just been uh, glorious to watch thus far in a in a position group that has struggled overall. But when we look at we got our keys to the game, but I like to get you the specific matchup, player on player or player on position group that you are watching this week. Fletcher Cox is back, healthy, playing. Who are you watching Fletcher Cox play against this week? Well, Brandon Scherf, he's their uh, he's their Pro Bowl guard. This guy has really developed into a solid player. But Fletcher Cox last week, ten quarterback pressures. It looked like he was in Carolina's backfield all night. He plays with power. He's got speed. He's an inside disruptor. And, and the thing that I love, he plays to the whistle every down. This guy never takes a playoff. And Sheriff is, is the same kind of guy. He's a scrappy guy. He has power. He has quickness. And I think this is a great inside battle to watch. A lot of people won't see it, but I'm going to keep my eye on it. All right, the X factor in this game, a guy that I have on my fantasy football team that we've been talking about a lot. He is a running back, but is used in so many different ways in this offense, and that is Chris Thompson. So what about him this week makes him your X factor in this game? Well, he had four receptions last week for 105 yards, but he had 16 carries, and that those 20 touches at least show me that the coaches are very comfortable with him we only think of him as a third down back, but I think this coaching staff for Washington is going to start having to be more creative and figure out how they can use him because he can be in the backfield, he can motion. Uh, he's just a, a tough, tough matchup. And I think to watch him in this game, if Philadelphia comes with the blitz, he could be an excellent hot route for Cousins on those short uh, dump-off passes into the area vacated by the Blitz. That may be something to watch. Okay, the fantasy football sleeper this week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on the fantasy show, I told everybody after he had a phenomenal game against the Arizona Cardinals, I said, go out and get yourself Nelson Aguilar. And hopefully people listen to me, but I know that he's still available in a lot of leagues. And at this point, he's a must start for me. So what about him jumps off the screen for you for a fantasy football sleeper this week? Well, he's doing everything that you ask your slot receiver to do. He's running the option route. He seems to be on the same page with Carson Wentz. Uh, he's good at yards after the catch. But where I think a lot of his 
production will come in this game is off of play action. Again, linebackers biting on on the run uh, play action and Wentz throwing over the linebackers, underneath the safeties, in the middle of the field, and that's where Aguilar likes to work. And I think that's where he can really have nice production. All right, let's get into this next matchup. Atlanta 3-2 and two against the New England Patriots, who've rebounded and are 4-2. and two. They sneak on by the New York Jets because, man, oh, man, it looked like the Jets might get a big victory against the New England Patriots. And my producer is sitting behind me right now rolling his eyes as a Jets fan because they had some calls taken back from them, and I know they're still upset about that. But moving right along, the Atlanta Falcons, they lose at home. This is a team where they played the Miami Dolphins, and Jay Cutler had looked pretty much useless up until this point. They somehow sneak out a victory against the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this Falcons team. So, Gary, when you look at this game, Atlanta going on the road, they don't play the same type of game when they're not inside in their dome. They're going on the road to New England. The weather can always play a factor. So what are your keys to the game here? Well, I think the the biggest key and my first key is, will the Atlanta offense try to really spread out the Patriots' pass defense? Now, I think the Patriots have, have improved a little bit in their coverages. They're not having quite as many busted assignments, but still the reality is they're the 32nd-ranked pass defense in the NFL. They have a lot of injuries at corner. They can go to their big nickel, which is their three-safety package, but that, that can make them vulnerable in man-to-man matchups. And the thing that I confuses me, Paige, is I still think they, they look like they're trying to decide, do we want to be a zone team, do we want to be a man team? And they just don't look like they have a lot of coverage confidence. Atlanta has enough weapons to spread them out, get them in their sub-packages. And if I, I think if Atlanta at the line of scrimmage, if Matt Ryan can identify the right matches, take the pass into their deep packages, he can get good one-on-one matchups. My second key, Atlanta needs to improve their takeaways. This is not Dan Quinn football on defense. He loves creating turnovers, getting the ball back to his you know explosive offense. They have three takeaways through t- six weeks. That's the worst in the NFL. And now they face Tom Brady, who may be the best quarterback in the NFL of taking care of the football. He has only five giveaways through six games. So this is an important area for the Falcons, if they could create a couple of Brady mistakes, that would be great, but uh, I would probably list that as wishful thinking. And then number three, less Brady hits is a must. A must. The, the, he's still getting hit too often, and everybody has an idea why. You know, the offensive line is inconsistent. The running backs aren't picking up the blitzes. Uh, the receivers are struggling to separate, which forces Brady to hold on to the ball too long. And then the newest one is because they want to throw all those deep routes to Cooks that take seven-step drops, you know, that's allowing defenses uh, to have more time uh, to get to Brady. They're a pass-heavy offense. The defenses don't respect the run, so they come after Brady in an all-out pass rush mode. And I think the key is Atlanta's pass rush has to figure out a way to get to him, and we know – uh, New England does not want to go to max pro blocking schemes, you know, so because they like to spread everything out. So I think the Atlanta pass rush and pressure could be a, a, a 
key to this matchup. Yeah, it's, uh, I know Tom Brady would like to get hit less, and I know if they're planning on yeah. being the team that they thought they were, uh, Tom Brady at 40 years old needs to stay upright and not get hit as much as he has. But the key matchup in this game, when we look at somebody specifically to watch during this matchup, a guy versus another guy from the other team, we're looking at Danny Amendola and who's he matching up against this week. Brian Poole. Uh, he's their slot receiver for Atlanta, and I, I really, again, I like this matchup. You know, the Patriots probably put more uh, emphasis on the slot position than any other team in the NFL. Uh, it was Wes Welker for a long time, obviously Julian Edelman. Now because of Edelman's injury, it's Amendola. And they are so good. When you study them on film, they run the option route better than anybody. In other words, Amendola recognizing the coverage. Do I break in? Do I break out? And he always seems to be on the same page uh, with Tom Brady. Now, Poole is a physical guy. He may try to jam Amendola at the line of scrimmage. And he's also a threat to blitz off the slot. So that's something that Brady has to look for. But this could be a little bit of a physical matchup. Uh, by two guys that, that are really, really quick and good at what they're doing. Okay, I know for this matchup you have more than one X-Factor, and usually I don't allow that, but in this case I'm going to allow for you to give <laughs> us two X-Factors in this game because I think both of these teams need to show out, and, and obviously there's going to be a little extra something because this is a Super Bowl rematch. Yeah, and, and it's Deion Jones and uh, uh, Neil, their safety, and I, I, the reason I, I did two X-Factors is because they built this defense like the Patriots did. Uh, they build them from the inside out. Jones is a dominating middle linebacker. Neal is a guy that can tr- control the back end of the defense. And they are really good on the second and third levels. I think their biggest challenge in this game, Page, may be in coverage and less in run support because we don't expect the Patriots to run a lot. And that's not really their strength. They're solid, but I think Brady will go to the line of scrimmage. He'll try to get Jones and Neal in coverage in a one-on-one situation. And, again, we know the Patriots' backs are great at finding linebackers or safeties in coverage, and that could be a big part of it, uh, of their game plan. All right, who is the fantasy football sleeper this week? I'm guessing that it's going to be I, – I see it in front of me, okay, and I hate Patriots running backs. So you need to convince me as to why I should, I should play this player this week. Well, I'd have to convince myself also. James White. <laughs> James White is my guy, and I'm not sure because I will say this. Because their game plan changes every week, he could be a focal point this week and not ever see the ball the next week. That's just how, that's how they run their offense. But, you know, last week he had four receptions, but he had seven targets. He's getting 25 or 30 snaps a game. I like it when they go to an empty backfield and he can motion out to the slot or wide. And, again, we talked about the X-Factors, Jones and Neal. They would love to get White out in the slot off that motion against either one of those guys, and that could get them some big plays. But uh, do I have great conviction about it? Probably not. <laughs> you're, you're feeling just the same way I do. I don't, I don't like playing running backs from New England because just like you said, they could be really great one week and get zero points the next week because that is what uh, my boy Bill Belichick does week in and week out. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll get into our last two matchups of the week. 
All right, we're back. It's Paige DeMacos, Gary Horton. We're getting into our third of the four matchups this week that we're really paying attention to, and this is the London the London game. And usually the London games are kind of uh, can sometimes be a real stinkers, but I'm hoping that this one can be really good because it's a divisional game. The Arizona Cardinals are look revitalized after adding a Adrian Peterson to their backfield that was abysmal before that, and the LA Rams have surprised people sitting at four and two. This division seems to be pretty wide open between the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams. The Niners are obviously out of it, but it seems like these three teams are going to be fighting here. And uh, I think this game could be really interesting, although the trend in in London has been kind of funky. We saw a Jacksonville game that was kind of weird, a Saints game that was kind of weird. So I'm wondering if we're going to see much of the same for this uh, divisional matchup. Yeah, and you're right. This game becomes very interesting, Paige, because of the way Arizona played last week that we did not expect. And in all honesty, I didn't think the Rams would go to Jacksonville and win. So uh, I think it's a very interesting game, but it is a long trip. My keys to the game, number one, the Rams need to ride Gurley's legs. You know, he did a good job last week versus Jacksonville, 116 yards. I love the fact that the coach has called 32 runs and only 21 passes. And this is a good zone run game. Gurley's making excellent cuts against the grain, which he can have success against Arizona that's not always disciplined in their gap responsibilities. And I also love the fact that they finished the game with Gurley. You know, when they needed to close out the game, he let them grind it out. I think that could be the same thing this week. Not a fancy game, but effective. Get the win and then leave London. Number two, Wade Phillips. Will he come after Carson Palmer or play coverage schemes? It's hard to know from week to week because he doesn't have the same man corners that he had in Denver, so he's adjusted his coverages. But this is the worst Arizona offensive line in the NFL. That They just don't scare anybody. The Cardinals' philosophy, and you know this better than any of my page, they want to throw deep. They love 7-7 drops. They don't want to go to max pro schemes. And so you wonder, will, you know, will uh, Wade Phillips sit off and off man and zone looks to take away the deep ball and force Palmer to go underneath? Or will he come with him, at him with a lot of blitzes and try to expose him in man coverage? My feeling is that he's going to come after Palmer, he's going to try to get to him before the receiver gets open. And then number three, the Rams need to play a clean game. Uh, they're, they're really working on some areas that they can improve, uh, cutting down turnovers, elim- eliminating penalties, and doing a better job in the red, red zone. It's a better offensive line. You mentioned that before, how they rebuilt this offensive line. And that's helped the Todd Gurley run game. And it's also made play acts and a real uh, you know a real weapon for this offense but they still don't have a large margin of error and so i think if they can play a game without a lot of mistakes they have a chance to go in and steal one versus arizona
All right, I love your key matchup in this game because a guy named Jared Valdir, who I, I love this guy. I can't, I can't hold back my emotion because he's one of the best dudes that I've ever interviewed, one of the best guys I've been around. But the Cardinals moved him this year to play a position that he wasn't used to, and he used the old retirement word going into the season, and he hasn't been the same guy over this year that he has been in previous years. So who are you watching Jared Valdir match up against this week, and what does he have to do to make sure that Carson Palmer stays upright? Well, and Paige, this for me may be the most interesting matchup of the weekend that nobody except you and I probably will see because it's two linemen. But Michael Brockers, this guy is an absolute stud on the on the defensive line. Now, he's been a three-technique nose tackle his whole career, but they've all of a sudden moved him to defensive end and a five-technique, so he's going to line up outside over Valdir. And this guy, he can play any position on the offensive line. He can win with power. He can win with speed. And it's, I think, critical – uh, for Arizona, that Belvedere tries to handle him without help. We know they don't use their tight ends in the passing game, but if this you could handle him one on one, this would be great. But Brockers moving outside really, uh, I, I think, creates uh, all sorts of problems for the Cardinals because now he's a little more in space, and this guy is a difference maker. All right, let's look at our X factor here. Uh, I won't give you two this time. you got to pick one guy, all right, only one guy for this matchup. So who are you paying attention to, and what does he need to do to uh, to be the X Factor this week? Well, it's the Rams safety, John Johnson. Nobody or a lot of people have not heard about this guy, but he's starting to play a lot in the last couple of weeks. And the Rams are playing him as a deep safety, their center fielder. You know, when you're playing Arizona – if you have a good guy in center field, that is really an advantage because he can take away some of Palmer's uh, deep passes, especially those seam routes. And I think they'll try to go after him. Arians will probably have a game plan that says let's attack the safety. And if he can avoid big plays, it's a huge plus for the defense. All right, your fantasy football sleeper here I love because he's one of the guys that's setting up for start and sit tomorrow. So I'm loving getting your insight here about Robert Woods, and this might lean me one way or the other on whether I'm starting him or not. So what do you have to say about Robert Woods this week? Well, you know what? He, he kind of grows on you. He's not exciting. You know, he's been around a long time. He's sort of an overachiever. But all of a sudden, I call him kind of the bell cow of this improving receiving core. He's their top guy in targets. He's run the most routes. He has the most receiving yards. And he's consistent. And those are all things that are very important for a young quarterback. But if you didn't look up the stats, you probably wouldn't see it. He, he, he doesn't have a dazzling skill set. He's not a great speed guy who creates great matchups. He's just a solid route runner. He's always there. And Goff needs that kind of guy on third down when he needs a play. It looks to me like Woods is always going to be there for him. And they just depend on him more and more each week. All right, the fourth matchup that we're going to get into is one of my favorites because of the rivalry between these two teams, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 2-3, and three, going on the road to play Pittsburgh, 
who is now 4-2 coming off a big victory. They go on the road. They beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium, a, a surprise of the weekend because after the loss that they took at home the week prior to Jacksonville, you're going, who is this Pittsburgh Steelers offense? They kind of got back to what we thought they would be in last week's game. Le'Veon Bell, on the, almost 200 yards, two touchdowns, looks great. Um, overall, I mean, Big Ben had some moments, but I still think he's not who he always tends to struggle a little bit on the road, and the Chiefs are a good football team. But this rivalry between these two teams always makes things fun. There's sometimes a little extracurricular things that go on between these two teams. So what are your keys to this game? Because you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a good one. Well, and my first key, I think it may be a run first game. I mean, we think of especially Pittsburgh. Oh, they're going to pass and pass all day. But these are two good pass defenses. And I think these quarterbacks are going to find that it's not going to be easy to have a lot of success in the passing game. We know that Bell is going to get his touches. We saw it last week. He needs a heavy workload to be most effective. But I think the surprise could be for the Bengals. I would love to see them use Joe Mixon more. The Steelers are 23rd in run defense. And they are being gouged by good backs. Mixon is the one guy, the one running back for the Cincinnati that can really expose them. I would like to see more runs out of the shotgun and not under when when the quarterback's under center to get softer boxes and set up run angles. But I think that's something to keep an eye on if Mixon has a lot of carries early. And we know, obviously, the run game sets up play action. Second key, the Steelers need to bring their blitz. Uh, a year ago, we didn't see them blitz a lot, but now they seem to trust their uh, corners. They're the second-ranked pass defense in the NFL, and I think a lot of that is due to the success of their blitz, forcing quarterbacks to get the ball out quicker than they want to. They like their guys in man schemes. Uh, they don't have to play zone. They're going to attack on all three levels, and I think the problems for the Bengals they have in three areas. Number one, can Dalton read the blitz and exploit man matchups? Number two, can his offensive line recognize and pick up the blitz? And number three, can Joe Nick Mixon step up and pass pro and blitz pick up if asked? Number three, I think Cincinnati must improve in their red zone offense. And this is a no-brainer, Paige. They're last in the NFL in red zone offense. They only convert 40% of their chances. Now, in fairness to them, Tyler Eifert, their great tight end, was outstanding in the red zone, and he's always been their go-to guy. They're not a physical run team that can pound the ball when they're close to the goal line. And so does who does that leave? It leaves A.J. Green as their best option, but you and I and everybody in the stadium knows that also. So I think... They don't want to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. So to me, they've got to have a creative game plan, and their play calling has to be great in the red zone and try to catch the Steelers out of position. Absolutely. Now this key matchup of this game I love because Le'Veon Bell has last week kind of his – the game that you've been looking for out of Le'Veon Bell, he's kind of finally getting to get rolling. And the guy that you have facing up against him is Vontez Burfecht, one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. So what can we expect from this key matchup this week? Well, I mean, it's going to be physical. And if you're timid, don't watch this one. <laughs> uh, because these guys, well, they'll come at each other. You know, the thing I always call Burfecht 
He's a step-up-and-fill guy who plays at the whistle and often pass the whistle. You know, but he's the heart and soul of this Bengals defense. And, and I think the Steelers can use his aggressiveness to their advantage. Because he's so quick to attack it, Bell is doing a good job now of making backside cuts, running against the grain. And I think the challenge for Burfick will to overrun the play, get out of position. These linemen do a great job at Pittsburgh on pulls and traps. And so Burfecht is going to have to play with discipline that we don't always see from him. Otherwise, they're going to take advantage of his aggressiveness. Yeah, Vontez, Burfecht, and discipline do not go in the same sentence usually. So I think that that matchup will be a lot of fun to watch. Your X Factor in this game has one of the best names in football, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. I love his name. And uh, our producer, just so you know, you can't see him right now, but he's freaking out. He's doing a little dance because I think he has him on his fantasy football team. So why is he your X Factor this week? He's been our sleeper in the past, and and I know they love him. But I think he's kind of moved into a bigger role because they're really trying to get better in their red zone offense. And I have been told by people I trust that they are really starting to like him as a good red zone offense, uh, option. He's got size. He's got physicality. He's not a great speed guy. He's not necessarily a vertical threat, but he works well in the intermediate zones. He knows how to get open. In the red zone, he can push up or push off. He can use his size to basically post up a defender. And, again, I've been told Big Ben trusts him, looks for him at the goal line, and I think that's where he becomes the next factor. Both of these offenses want to come away with seven and not three in the red zone. And it would not shock me if, uh, if this guy had a, a touchdown in the red zone area. That would be music to a lot of fantasy owners' ears. But we will end this podcast with your fantasy football sleeper for, the, for uh, this matchup this week. And I like where you're going because Tyler Eifert is hurt and he seems to always kind of struggle with injury problems. So the backup tight end here is that's who you like this week. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's by elimination. I mean, who else are you going to pick? Tyler Croft is my guy. He actually has a skill set that's similar to Eifert's. He can do a lot of the same things. And Andy Dalton appears to developing some trust in him. Now, he's not been a guy that we thought of as a really elite red zone threat in the past. But in the last couple of weeks, he's looked better close to the goal line. And obviously, that's an, that, that's an area that Eifert excelled at. So I think that's sort of interesting to keep your eye on. Will he become their red zone threat You know, when they're down close? They have to get production from him because they're not overly deep in their passing targets. And they need him to become a steady guy that they can count on. Yeah, and if A.J. Green is taken away, it leaves some opportunities for the tight end to get open. So I uh, I really like that sleeper this week. I might uh, I might attribute it to you during our fantasy football show tomorrow, but I'm definitely stealing it. So I hope you're okay with that, Gary. I have no problem with that. <laughs> All right, Gary, any parting thoughts on uh, heading into Week 7? Well, I, I will say this, Paige, and this is about other sports. Can it get any better than this playoff baseball, the start of the NBA season, and my favorite sport, hockey, (laughs) you know, is Uh, is up and running? It just just doesn't get any better. But I I sat here last night, and I, I watched Cleveland and Boston, you know, and I'm watching the Yankees come back, and I'm saying, 
how lucky are we oh, that yeah. we get all this? I mean, I mean, it just it's a wonderful time to be a sports fan, and obviously the, the NFL is exciting as ever. And so, you know, it, it just it, if you love sports. You know, we're in a marvelous time to be a fan. We sure are, and I know that you are just itching to get to the NHL uh, all-access that you have waiting for you at home so you can get through all those games you didn't get to watch yesterday. So, Gary, I won't keep you any longer from your love of the NHL. I will... I'm thinking about having them freeze our pool so I can use it at a hockey <laughs> rink here in San Diego. I uh, I really look forward to seeing that, considering it freezes like n- never in San Diego. But where do you see me on skates? Oh boy, that sounds like a sight for sore that will, eyes. That will lessen your love. Oh yeah. Well, uh, Gary, thanks for joining me this week. And uh, as always, you can follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Horton NFL and find all of his content on FanRagSports.com. You can follow me at the underscore sports page, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That is the Scout and the Sports page. Thanks for listening.